What's up, guys? Dr. Andrew Fix back here from The Code. This episode is brought to you by Zero Shoes, where they want you to live life feet first. These might be my favorite shoes to train in. They're thin, flexible, and probably the most comfortable shoes I've ever worn. No, honestly, I do almost all of my workouts in these shoes. If you haven't heard our podcast with founder Stephen Sashin, you've got to go back and listen to it to find out what all the hype's all about. Do yourself a favor and step into a pair today. Maybe even put their 5,000-mile sole warranty to the test. Visit zeroshoes.com backslash go backslash Dr. Andrew Fix to find the pair that's right for you. That's X-E-R-O shoes.com backslash go backslash Dr. Andrew Fix and find the pair that's right for you. Live life feet first. Welcome to The Code, your guide to health and human performance. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Fix from Physio Room, a performance-based rehab facility here in Denver. On this podcast, we're going to explore the key areas of your life that impact your overall health and wellness, from sleep hygiene and stress management to nutrition, movement, relationships, and more. We bring you conversations with industry experts and top performers to share strategies they have for cracking the code on health and human performance. Now let's get to today's show. What's going on, guys? Dr. Andrew Figgs back for another episode here on The Code. I've said this many times. We're sitting inside of Lion's Den, Strength, Mobility, and Performance. And I have an interview with another one of their awesome coaches here today. It's my friend, Sarah Martin. She is a personal trainer and online health and fitness coach. We have worked with a lot of clients kind of synergistically. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me here for this conversation. Of course. Thank you so much, Andrew, for having me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. And this will be fun, guys. We'll talk more about this as the episode goes, but Sarah also hosts a podcast, so we'll get into that a little bit. But, um, you know, as I mentioned, Sarah is a coach online and in person. And um, Sarah, can you do us a favor and do a little bit more thorough introduction of who you are, um, how you got here to to uh, Colorado, and how did yeah. you decide to become a personal trainer and coach? Yes, of course. Um, so I am a personal trainer and online fitness and health coach. I help women, driven women, gain confidence, build strength, and master holistic healthy habits through strength training and mindset coaching. So originally, I'm from Minnesota, and I started my journey back in college. And I started strength training in college, found a passion for it. I originally was going for psychology to begin with and wanted to be a therapist. <laughs> but then I started working out more and really loving the, the way my body was changing and the way I felt after working out. And it kind of compounded into other areas of my life. I showed up better in my you know, work classes and relationships. And I found that passion and really wanted to help other people. Um, have that same mindset as well. So my journey is very, very long. I've been through a lot of ups and downs throughout the fitness journey, but um, now I really, really love what I do because I can really relate to a lot of my clients when it comes to working with women, their mindset, their body image, and just building that confidence back up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And so you were doing psychology. Yes. Where'd you go to school again? Minnesota State University, Mankato. Mankato. So Southern Minnesota. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yeah, so I was going to school there. I really kind of lost myself actually when I was working out of time because I kind of went the obsessive route, like kind of got addicted to it. Yeah. And over-exercised, <laughs> under ate tremendously. And I was even skinnier then. <laughs> and 
I really just was trying to seek this body image look or ideal look. And I was getting left dissatisfied, like not really loving, you know, still kind of craving more and more and wasn't feeling like I was confident in my body. And that's where I almost got into bodybuilding and like competitions. Um, Cause I was really big actually in Mankato and there's this big college gym that everyone was at. That's actually where I met my fiance. Jeff was at that gym and there was, yeah, everyone there, there was a few people that were doing bodybuilding competitions, powerlifting, and I was going to go that route. But then at the time I knew that my mindset and body was not in the right place to pursue that Yeah, because I honestly, yeah, like lost my menstrual cycle and, you know, got really just, I couldn't keep going that route. So that's when I kind of transitioned to a more sustainable way when it comes to fitness and health and all of that through just building more knowledge and education through exercise science. Yeah. Well, and what I want to do after we unpack a little bit of what you just said is sort of go down that path of like, you know, what are some of these things that you've changed to create this more sustainable, um, you know, training philosophy that you follow now. But, um, you know, I think you're, you're totally right. It's, it's common in that world, whether it's a high endurance training or a high weightlifting training, whether it's bodybuilding or like marathon or ultra marathon training, cycling, especially for women to fall into this mm-hmm. loss of menstrual, menstrual cycle style training. And even if you're training a lot, that doesn't always mean you're happy with how your body is looking and or performing, right? Yes. Whether you feel good or not, like you could train a lot, but feel bad. And then sometimes people feel like the answer is I need to train more. Mm-hmm. And that's not, not, that's not always the answer. So, um, and we've had a couple other conversations on this show of like similar sort of yeah. stories. So when was that transition of like, you were studying psychology and you said you thought you wanted to go down the path to be a therapist. And then you sort of switched to go into the fitness side of things. How yeah. old were you when you did that? Uh, I was still in college. So I was probably like sophomore year. And I was actually going to Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. And then I transferred <clears throat> and went for exercise science. So that's kind of when, yeah, I switched when I went to Mankato. Got it. And it was a big program there. Like, every, I felt like everyone was going for exercise science there. So it was really a great community. Everyone was very, you know, healthy and holistic. And it was great. But now I feel like, especially being a personal trainer and the clients that I work with, I incorporate a lot of the psychology that I've learned because I find that to be such a big component to results. So your mindset starts first and then, yeah, then you can actually believe that you can achieve the things you want to. Man, isn't that the truth? Uh, I was kind of going to ask you if in your day to day working with clients, whether it's online or in person, like, do you ever feel like you're a therapist sometimes? Right. (laughs) Because it's not, you know, it's not just, Oh, here's here's your workout. This is what we're gonna yeah. do. Like there's a lot of talk, whether it's during the workout or before or after, mm-hmm. about like just what's going on in their life. Yeah. So I mean, I feel like that sometimes too. I think the the communication and psychology with with clients is just as, if not more important, than what we actually do in the session. Yes, definitely. And we hold so many emotions in our body. Mm-hmm. So some, I, like I've had clients cry, like really, really cry during our sessions because you know, you're kind of letting it out when you're working out. Mm-hmm. And also if they start talking about it, of course, but, um, and I actually had a client yesterday or the day before, she was like, thanks for the therapy session. Like yeah. kidding around, but just because we do discuss a lot of personal things because that can impact their stress level and their performance in the gym. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and I think, you know, there's some science that talks about as we exercise, it changes like the chemicals in our brain, right? And it makes us start to think about things, whether like, I know a lot of people will get like some of their best ideas when they're out on a walk or a ride or a run or something. The same thing can happen in the gym is like you think more clearly when you are doing something physical. But also I think whether it's a coach or a personal trainer, a physical therapist, a mental health uh, psychotherapist, the thing that is different about all of those individuals working with clients compared to like the rest of the people in the medical system is we get to spend more time mm-hmm. with these clients, right? Personal trainers are probably like one of the professions that you spend the most amount of time with clients. Like you may see someone two or three times a week. That's more than I work with clients. That's more than most mental health therapists work with clients. So like you get to really know these people. That's so true. Yeah. I've not thought about it like that. Yeah. yeah, especially if you're going to the doctor, right? It's like 15 minutes and then you're out. Yeah, if you're lucky, right? If you're, I think 15 minutes is actually above the average like length of a doctor physician appointment. So, okay, so so you said, you know, you were at Minnesota State, Mankato. You felt like you were getting into this pattern where you were feeling a little addicted to exercise. Like you were maybe going a little bit too much into the deep end and, but you still weren't necessarily maybe happy with how you were looking or feeling and you thought about doing the bodybuilding training. What, like, what are some of the things that you changed from then till now of like how you handle your fitness and your training? And what did you do from like, um, you know, a mental mindset sort of standpoint of I think all of us, I don't know, maybe someone's not always every moment of the day happy with their body, right? There's always things that we are the biggest critic for ourselves. Like, what are some of those things that you changed from then till now? Yeah, like, I think at that time, I felt like I was never doing enough. Like, if I did more and more, I would see more results or, like, more benefit or something like that. So, I think it took one, well, meeting Jeff at the time. He helped me, you know, he had the more knowledge at that time to introduce me. This is, you know, more sustainable to, you know, cut back a little bit. That helped a lot. But then also just building the education around what how recovery is everything and mm-hmm. your results so now i like my whole mindset has shifted because i understand that that's when the muscle building process begins is when we're resting and recovering focusing on that nutrition the sleep those things are going to be way more valuable compared to then i was you know up on tons of pre-workout tons of caffeine Got it. you know like stress level was just through the roof and i didn't learn to just slow down so that increase of you know caffeine all that stress led me feeling anxious all the time mm-hmm. sure. and then so now so going back to like now I definitely know how to slow down how to spend time with myself and be present and focus on you know breathing like I learned a lot about how important our breath work is and recovery And now I'm okay. I think it's just learning to like slow down and be okay with, I want to see even more results if I focus on the quality of my performance. So my reps, my sets and everything that I'm doing, you know, three to, you know, four times a week compared to them where it's, you know, seven days a week. Yeah. So now it's just way more well-rounded. And I think that I've always found to be the best approach, right? You'll know a lot of people that are runners or they're, yeah, going bodybuilding or doing this. I've always had the approach like, I just want to 
have great stability, have great strength, endurance, and be just well-rounded to handle anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that shifts, obviously, like, you know, year to year, month to month of how I'm, where I want to go. Yeah, totally. No, I I think you're absolutely right. And I've said this on this podcast before that I think in some respects, me doing this show helps me to stay accountable, right? Because I don't have everything all figured out. I don't do everything perfectly. And that's one of the things I think I'm still trying to learn is like how to slow down, not necessarily in the workout sense, but just in like the life sense, right? Like how to not be go, go, go all the time and how to be okay just being and sitting because I have a very hard time with that. Like I remember three and a half closing in on four years ago when Aaron and I got married and we were trying to plan like our honeymoon type of trip. I pretty much vetoed anything that involved like going and sitting on a beach because I knew I was just going to be so antsy. I was like, Aaron, we need to go do something. I can't just sit and like read a book for a week and get a suntan. I'm going to lose my mind. So we did things that involved hiking and wine tours and all this stuff. But that's something that I'm still Mm -hmm. working on for sure. No, I struggled with that a ton at that time. was definitely like, I can't sit still. I couldn't even listen to like, the music I listen to now, which sounds so funny, mm-hmm. like house music or like music that's like upbeat and really like energetic yep. because that's how anxious I was. Mm. Like I like could not handle the music. Um, Some slow jazz for you. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's just learning to, you know, I think it's a practice that you have to learn to just slow down. Yep. And I think that takes time because life is always going to be go, go, go. There's mm-hmm. always going to be things to do and, you know. Yeah, definitely things that are going to be on your mind the next thing, even think about the next day. But now I find you enjoy life more when you focus on just what's happening in the moment. Yeah, that's for sure. And I like I like that you said it's a practice because I think that's the thing I like about medicine, like mm-hmm. in a physician's office and stuff. We typically call it a practice. And I think a lot of health providers will will call their their skill set or their career of practice. And to me, that just means it's an ever changing, evolving thing. Like it's not going to, and doesn't need to, and probably shouldn't look the same 10 years ago to what it does now to what it does in 10 years. Like it should look different because it's, it's evolving along the way as we uh, change and evolve. But um, you know, everything that you said about recovery, right? You train, and when the muscle actually builds is during that recovery phase, like you don't get stronger in the workout that you're doing right now. You need to break things down, rebuild it. That is also true. And I think so many people get lost a little bit in this kind of microwave society that we have right now. We're used to like getting things right mm-hmm. now. If you want, you know, food, you can order it on your phone and someone can deliver it to your door in like 20 minutes, right? And that like you don't have to do anything to do that besides punching some numbers on your phone. But that's not the uh, that's not the way that it works in the fitness world, right? You can't just pick up a weight and now all of a sudden you're stronger tomorrow. It takes weeks, right? It takes months and weeks for this to happen, for you to go through these changes. And if we start talking about sports, the best ability is availability, right? Like if you're not on the field, because you're so hurt because you were grinding too hard and like you weren't focusing on the sleep, nutrition, the recovery, the time with the uh, body work folks, the chiropractors, PTs, massage therapists. Um, so that your body can be ready, you know, in an athletic sense, you, you can't participate because yeah. you 
overdone it too much. Yeah. Or you had an injury or something. So sort of sounds like what you're talking about is quality over quantity. Yes. Right. Definitely. Focus on the high quality stuff and that'll lead to the results you're looking for. Yes. And I try and when, when I work with my clients too, now that I through my own personal experience, understand that and work through that, I try and set that expectation early on when I work with my clients of that it is going to take the time, the effort and patience to see those mm-hmm. results. That way they're, you know, I always want to be clear and upfront with them because I think yeah, people just want it happen, you know, 30 days and mm-hmm. then it's, you know, they have the weight loss or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I want to ask you to maybe in your words or how you explain with clients, define a couple terms for me, because you mentioned like strength, stability, Mm -hmm. mobility. uh, And these are words that I know we use here in the gym all the time, whether it's with clients that are coming in to see you or one of the other trainers or clients that are coming in to see me. And uh, I think the words strength and stability, a lot of times are hard for people to distinguish the difference between those things. So if you start talking with a client and you're talking about mobility, stability, and strength, mm-hmm. how do you usually explain like yeah. what the difference is in those couple terms? Yeah. So typically for, I mean, for an example, when I talk about stability, it's just having a good, what I always like to think of is like a single leg movement or something like that. The joint stability to actually be on one leg and stand on one leg is happening at your hip your ankle there's a lot of joints that are working simultaneously together to mm-hmm. stabilize you and then mobility is having that range of motion to you know have your hips in a hinge position and have a good you know mechanical s- setup right so your neutral spine and able to move have control over just your hips to move mm-hmm. um strength is being able to feel strong in that position so whether it's with load or it's just with control and, um, yeah, have that muscle stimulus to maintain that position. Yeah. No, I love it. Because that sometimes seems confusing to yeah. people. Like, yeah. Especially if I'm working with a client who might be a little less familiar with exercise. Or maybe they exercise, but they haven't spent any time working with, like, a coach. They're just kind of doing it yeah. on their own. And then I start talking about stability versus strength. They're like, wait a minute. Aren't these? Like, what yeah. do you mean? Yeah. Isn't it the same thing? Um, and they are a little different. It's yeah. kind of nuanced, right? Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. And I also, like, especially when it comes to women, I talk a lot more about like the strength component of how important it is for them to build strength and build muscle mm-hmm. to help their hormones, inflammation, and just longevity overall. So we spent a lot of time talking about that. I think stability is when I talk more about just your daily life movement and having the spillage to do the things you want to do. So typically yeah. like knee, you know, knees and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's easy kind of for, for any client that we're working with to understand when we start talking about why we need to do these things, mm-hmm. like why we need the resistance train in order to produce longevity in our life or like if we can link that to something that they do in their daily life, whether that's like a common example I use with like deadlifting is well, if you have a child and you need to pick them up off the floor, especially as that kid starts growing in age, they're two years old, four, six, like if you're going to pick them up, well, they weigh a decent amount, right? You need to be able to do that safely, repetitively. Or even if you know, you're picking up things like now's the time as we're recording this in Colorado, people are doing a bunch of yard work 
know, they're moving bags of mulch, they're getting wheelbarrows out, they're gardening, they're whatever that looks like. So if we don't prepare our bodies to do that stuff, it's a recipe for irritating something, tweaking your back, for example, um, if you're you're not really ready for it. Definitely. Yeah. Speaking of that, actually a client another week, like just bracing, like understanding how to lift something up mm-hmm. is a lot of times what I'll talk about. So even the other day, someone was like, I was lifting a lot of planters and, you know, planting a lot of things. And the first time I didn't feel in my back, you know, because they're understanding yeah. like they have that core mm-hmm. strength and stability. So, you know, that reminds me, I got into a conversation with, with a client yesterday who she was having some back pain. Now, this is someone that's very familiar with exercise. What I was telling her is I hear, at least in my in my role, because low back pain is like the number one thing, right, that I work with clients on. It's not even close. It's like a far second to the next thing. But um, more often when people come in and I ask them, well, when did this start hurting? And if they irritated it with a particular incident, it's usually doing something relatively small in their daily life, right? It's It's not often squatting a lot of weight deadlifting a lot of weight in the gym because usually people are focusing a lot more in those scenarios. We're not always focusing in much when we're out in our garage or in our yard or loading the dishwasher or something. But those are the movements that more often people come in saying, I was just helping my daughter get out of her car seat and I threw my back out, right? And their daughter doesn't weigh that much weight. So I don't know. I see that a lot. Yeah, no, I definitely see that a lot too. It's all those it's almost like I always try and educate. And that's another thing I kind of wanted to mention was when I work with my clients, a lot of building the education so that they have it the rest of their life, the knowledge to mm-hmm. know why we're doing what we're doing. And not only just the form of movement so they can perform that throughout their life, but also yep. become more aware. And because it's all awareness and being able to be conscious of how you're moving in the gym and applying that to your life. So, even just as simple as, yeah, like walking or like you're saying, picking something up, your kid, getting down from the floor, just little movements like that. So that way they're being more aware of it and know how to move really well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that can serve someone for the rest of their life, right? If you know how to move, that's going to serve you so much better as we get older, as you know, we start to lose muscle mass and our our body like the more we train the better we're going to be able to age and sustain the rigors that that life throws at us speaking of which uh one thing that you mentioned was in in practicing like being okay with slowing down being in the moment focusing on the present was uh breathing exercises or like breathing strategies to try and tap into that like calming down kind of situation what is one of the common ones that you use or that you've talked with clients through or something like what's a common breathing strategy that you like to use to kind of do that? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a handful of them, of course, but honestly, it all stems from just diaphragmic breathing. So gaining that awareness around breathing through your diaphragm, because at the time, previously in my journey, I come from, yeah, definitely was not breathing through my diaphragm. and that. Even just as simple as switching how mm-hmm. I was breathing yeah. allowed me to be like, wow, this does feel way different. Mm. And I couldn't even sit for like two minutes and breathe through my diaphragm because I was like, this is so uncomfortable. Mm. So now that's number one is what I kind of will educate my clients on is breathing through the diaphragm and slowing down. Typically, like a box breathing is very, very common. So 
there's different methods, of course, of how you can do that. But typically, I do like at least a four second inhale, pausing two seconds, and then exhale for four, pause for two, mm-hmm. and repeat. Yeah. And then, you know, if we want to get more rest and digest, you know, kind of slowing it even more, I have them focus on that exhale even longer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like that. And I agree. I used to have a really hard time with that. I think I still kind of have a hard time with that. And box breathing, I think, is a very popular strategy mm-hmm. that people use. And I know I hear the four seconds very often. Maybe I'll link in the show notes to this. Uh, there's a really good book called Breath. It goes through a lot of different strategies. What's one of the major differences, Sarah, that you felt? And I, I know a lot of times you talk about like diaphragmatic breathing compared to like being a chest breather, mm-hmm. right? But you said initially when you were trying to breathe that way, it was very uncomfortable to you. What's one of the biggest differences you feel like in your body trying to breathe like from and with your diaphragm compared to not really using it? Yeah, definitely less stress. <laughs> like you're just more calm. And honestly, I can feel a lot of release. Like if I do feel tightness in like my, you know, upper back, where if we are shallow breathing and breathing through our chest, that's where we're going to feel it. <laughs> it's yeah. mostly right. Trap tightness and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So I just feel like definitely a lot <laughs> less stress, less tightness in the upper back. Also, right, there's so many benefits to breathe more diaphragmically. I also noticed a huge change in my, come on, but digestion and like yeah. other like important things, sleep and yeah, things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. What's going on, code listeners? Dr. Andrew Fix here. And I want to tell you about our friends at Element. Element makes a tasty electrolyte drink with everything that you need and nothing that you don't. That means the science-backed electrolyte ratio of sodium, potassium, and magnesium, and none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. And that's why I use it. I've been taking Element for two years now, and I absolutely love the stuff, and I wouldn't want to exercise without it. For all of you code listeners and friends of Physio Room, Elements offered a special to you guys, and I want you to take advantage of it. Go ahead and visit drinkelement.com slash physioroom. That's drinklmnt.com slash physioroom to receive that special offer. You're going to get a free variety pack with any purchase that you place. And uh, I can't wait to hear what you guys think about it. Thanks so much. If you guys do end up, you know, whether it's listening or reading, checking out that book, Breath, like, you're going to find way more in-depth strategies of like what we were talking about, nasal breathing strategies, even, even as far as things like taping your mouth shut while you sleep to force yourself to breathe through your nose. And all of these breathing strategies can have a huge effect on how our body functions, like all the different systems, yeah. right? So uh, I think it it's hard to like overstate how important it kind of is, even though it's something that I think we all sort of take for granted, like we're alive, we're breathing, but we put focus and emphasis on all these other areas of our life. Why don't we put it on how we breathe too? Cause that's going to impact all these other things. And since we were talking about fitness, it's only going to make you more physically fit and be able to perform the activities that you're trying to, if you're a more efficient breather. Yeah. So. And also, yeah. And I find, especially in our movement assessment right here as coaches, we look at how people are breathing and mm-hmm. I find that so valuable because for the client, especially because they aren't aware of it and yeah. it's automatic. Of course, you're not really thinking about it. So yeah. it's a good learning experience for them to be like, oh, yeah. So it's a nice quick little like value for them to even, at, you know, running from place to place or after work, getting in their car, spending that time just breathing helps yeah. so much and just reducing your stress a little bit. Yeah. And I actually multiply. Yeah. 
every night. Yeah, I need to buy some more tape so I, I can do that. I was doing it. Uh, I'm very excited as of the recording of this. My wife is transitioning from a job where she used to do a lot of traveling to a job where she is more remote and going to be home. So what I used to do was tape my mouth shut on the nights where she's not home because we're not like talking oh, yeah. to each other before we go to bed. But now that she's going to be home, um, I'm probably just going to get a new roll of tape, put it right next to my bed so that after we're done with our conversation and we actually are ready to go to sleep, then I'll throw a little okay. piece over it. Because I do notice a difference. Like my heart, like I wear my watch to bed and it tracks my heart rate. When I was taping my mouth shut consistently, my heart rate was lower during sleep than than it was uh, when I didn't do that. So there's some uh, there's some magic to it for sure. Okay, Sarah. So what I want to get into a little bit before I forget is I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, you too host a podcast. I think you started it like almost a year ago or something at this point. And the title of that is Growth Over Fear, right? The Growth Over Fear podcast. So I want to talk about like one, when and how and why did you decide to start a podcast? And then I'm sure there was something that made you come up with like that title, right? Growth Over Fear. And so walk us through that a little bit and tell us a little bit about what that show is about. And then let's start talking about some of these things that we kind of like overcome in our life a little bit. Yeah, of course. Thank you for that. Um, Yeah, I started the podcast or July last year. Mm -hmm. And I've always had like an inkling, like I've wanted to start a podcast ever since... um, like after college. So it was always in the back of my mind. And it was just the right opportunity, right time to do it. Mm-hmm. Got all the equipment and just said, I'm going to do it. So the Growth Over Fear podcast is where I help women or men and women overcome their fears, build um, sustainable, tangible t- skills to live a balanced, holistic, healthy lifestyle. So really, it's about leaning into growth and having an open mindset when it comes to any area of your life. So in that podcast, I do have a variety of topics. So wellness-based, sleep, water, all things health and wellness in that podcast. And how I kind of came up with that name was, honestly, I have always had a good mindset around being Mm -hmm. open-minded. I came from a very small town, and sometimes when you come from a small town, I feel like there's can be not that type of mindset. And yeah, I find when you are more open to growth, you're able to have more opportunities presented before you. And you accept the fear, challenges, things that come your way more resiliently when you have that open approach. Mm -hmm. Isn't that true? I mean, I, and I think I remember, I remember listening to the very first episode of your podcast, and then I've heard a couple other ones. And I think very similar to this one, you were planning to do it a long time before like it actually happened, right? Uh, And like you said, Mm -hmm. I was thinking about it in the college, like I was planning to start this podcast more than a year before we actually started it. And I had the equipment and we were just sitting on it for a long time until we finally like made it a high enough priority and slid it from the back burner, like as an idea to something we're actually going to do. And it's not easy by any means. Like it takes work to make this happen more than I think people think, right? It's very time consuming, but I'm so happy that we're doing it. And I'm sure you feel the same way now that you have yours rolling and started. Yes, I love, I love having it. It's honestly, I wanted to reach a wider audience, of course, through just my knowledge and experience sharing with people. 
but also a great educational resource for people to go to. So yeah. I, I assume similar to you where, mm-hmm. you know, clients and patients can check out the podcast to go more in depth and learn more yeah. rather than like during our sessions and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And then one of the other things too is, I'm sure you feel this way. I find myself having the exact same conversations over and over and over. And a lot of people have the exact same questions, right? So I figured why not like record the answer, if you will, or record the strategies that we talk about so that when someone else has a question, even if they don't even know who I am or or anyone on our team at Physio Room, they can potentially go find an idea or an answer that might work for them. And I don't want to say like, that the answer works for everybody because everybody's situation is different. But so many people are going through very similar things, like whether it's back pain or, or whatever, like people have similar issues because we do similar things. We live similar lives. We have similar jobs. And um, yeah, I think having a platform like this is really cool because you can reach a bigger audience. What have you found, Sarah, is, well, maybe before you started the podcast or now, like what have you found is like a big growth over fear moment that that you've had in your life. You already talked about changing your fitness strategy and how you how you manage your your training, but like what are some other things that come to mind that you've kind of worked through or gotten past or honestly are still working through? Yeah. Um I would I mean there's definitely like a few, but one of the main ones I think I still kind of work through but also the main was through college was like just comparison I feel like a lot of people struggle with comparing themselves to others and being in that kind of realm of things um but I just really learned that you know you're in control of not only your actions your attitude but also your journey so why not just focus on your journey and your what you're doing day to day to help you continue to improve and be better. So I think that's one of the big obstacles and like fearful times that I've had. Another one would probably just be um, moving out of state, honestly, moving away from a large family. (laughs) Uh, All my nieces and nephews are in Minnesota. I have four older brothers as well. So they're all in Minnesota. So moving away was definitely a scary moment, Mm -hmm. especially not, you know, leaving college and coming out here and so, yeah. 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 I'm right there with you. And, you know, I actually didn't even realize that you were in school in Eau Claire. So um, as some of the people on the show know, I'm from Wisconsin too. And that moving away thing is like, I never really planned to do that until I traveled on two of my clinical rotations. And like that one was in Minnesota, but like that got me out, out and about a little bit more because I spent the majority of my life until I was 25 years old in, in Wisconsin. And then that's when I really moved out. I had had those two clinical rotations and then just decided, you know what? There's so much that I have not even scratched the surface on experiencing. I'll probably regret it if I just stay here, even if, even though it would be awesome to be closer to like most of my family's back in Wisconsin and a couple of people are in other places, but the bulk of it is right back there at home, just like you're saying. So yeah, it is a tough thing to, to move out here. When did you move here again to Colorado? October, 2020. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Like six, not even six. Yeah. Five months after we did. Yeah. Mm. It's yeah. Yeah. It's been good. And, you know, I think it has, 
at least for Aaron and I, it's, it's gotten us to travel more because now we travel back to see family and we travel other places. But um, there is a lot to do out here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I am drawn a bit to the mountains, like like I just talked about with the honeymoon thing. Like I have much more fun hiking than sitting on the beach watching the waves crash, even though that's cool too. It just doesn't feel the same to me as going for a hike in the mountains yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I love hiking. Hiking, snowboarding, all the activities here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I wouldn't have been able to do any of those things if I stayed there. So yeah, definitely was worth it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 100%. Comparison's a tough one because I think now, now especially too, in you know, 2023, what do we do all day? We're looking on social media, all this stuff. And, and like you're seeing things that people choose to put on there. So you might, and now some people will put like, unfortunate things that happened to them or or put like show the work that it took to get to whatever they're choosing the, the picture they're putting but what you can do is you can just choose to put all the highlights right you can just show all the good things and then if you don't actually spend time with that person you might just think wow their life is perfect well how come i don't have that or you see someone who's maybe doing a bodybuilding show or something like man i wish i looked like that like it's a hard thing not to do yeah it can be very very hard now I definitely have a total different mindset where I don't struggle with that as much because I've learned the strategies to, yeah, focus on your own journey and honestly use that as inspiration, mm-hmm. like surrounding yourself with more successful people and things like that. And rather looking at it as comparison, more as looking up to them yeah. or like learning from them is super valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like we talked about having a practice earlier, like mm-hmm. the journey's never over, right? it's, you know, it's never really over. And then depending on what your beliefs are, like until you're no longer living, well, you, the journey still may not be over depending on how you feel about that. But I never want to be in a place where I feel like I'm done, right? Like, Oh, I've made it. I can't get any better. That's, that's not really a thing. Like it's impossible to achieve like a point where you can't get any better. You can always get a little bit better. And I think that's kind of one of the fun things to like gamify your life a little bit is there's always another step you could mm-hmm. take, even if you're doing so much awesome, really good stuff. Well, somebody out there is probably doing it even just a little bit better. Yes. Yeah. Like almost like leading into th- that fear of like, okay, I, you know, not looking at it as an end journey, like just looking at, okay, what's the next thing I want to improve on mm-hmm. and lean into that rather than, yeah, spending time being scared of it. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's not easy to do, but you found ways to do it. I know people, um, people that are listening to this show have found ways to get through things. And it's kind of like a, you know, it's like a domino effect kind of, right? It's the hardest step is the next one. And then, but once you take that one and you're able to kind of look back and you're like, oh, wow, look at all this stuff that I did. And every time you're able to overcome like a slightly bigger obstacle than the one you did before. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. yeah you made something come to mind for me of not necessarily comparison, but like one of the challenges that I think I face is, you know, I'm in this uh, field of physical therapy, right? Where I'm trying to help clients guide them through rehab journeys or journeys back to particular sports or activities that they like to do after they've sustained an injury or had periods of time off. And um, well, I've dealt with my own physical ailments too, right? I've had surgical procedures. Most recently, I had a um, scar tissue removal procedure on my Achilles 10 weeks ago. 
I can't tell you how many times, even though this is true, what people say is like, okay, I had this procedure done. I'm trying to get back to activities that I love to do, but it's not that easy to do, right? Like I'm dealing with my own issues and I go through the same challenges that a bunch of clients have where, you know, you have to make the time for the rehab. You have to work through the pain or the lack of range of motion or stability or whatever. But people will, when I tell people about it, their natural response is, well, at least you're a physical therapist. You know what to do. And though that's true, like I do know what to do, that doesn't make it easy still actually doing it when when push comes to shove. And sometimes since I've been dealing with like this Achilles thing for so long, even though I've worked with countless clients who also have Achilles pain, and most all of them have gotten significantly better and they're like back to running marathons without pain. This has been something that I have really struggled with. And sometimes it makes me feel a little bit of this like, I don't know if imposter syndrome is the right way, but I feel like, man, how come, how come I can help them get their thing better, but I can't get mine better. And sometimes that makes me feel a little bit weird. And I battle with that a little bit in my head sometimes. Yeah, that definitely is real for sure. And that's hard. That's definitely hard to deal with, especially because, yeah, you're a physical therapist, but you have your, it's easier to write, give advice than to take it. Oh, totally. So um, uh, for sure. But I think at least in my personal experience, when I've dealt with clients who have setbacks like that, and, you know, it's different when it is a long period of time, it can be way more challenging, of course, mm-hmm. but I think it's finding small wins along the way, like setting small, smaller goals. Like mm-hmm. even if you want to get back to running, yeah, like a marathon or something like that, set little, little goals for yourself or little wins. So that way you're still staying inspired to keep going Yeah, because you're not going to be motivated all the time right. to do the recovery work. Isn't, yeah, that is, that is so true. And I like that idea to like, set smaller kind of bite-sized goals because they just then tend to stack, right? Mm -hmm. If you can check something off the list, it kind of motivates you to like go after the next one. But if you set some like huge, massive goal, that's going to take like, you know, a really long time, a year to get to, well, it's probably smarter to set like smaller, what are the 12 steps that lead up to that one year goal? And once a month, just try to make it that one twelfth of the way um, because then you kind of keep that Mm -hmm. ball rolling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at, yeah, where you want to go. Like I client comes to mind, she had a sprain, an LCL sprain. And she really just focused on okay, I can either put in the work now or yeah. pay for it later. Yeah. And I know that's you know, of course that's easier to think about, but it's hard. It was really helpful for her to think, okay, if I just do these exercises daily, yeah, it's gonna set me up for what I want to do this summer. Man, and I, I don't always like to use like fear as the motivator, no. but That's absolutely true, though. Like, if you're dealing with something and we don't put the time in to to change that situation for the better, it's only going to be harder down the road or it's only going to set you up for for failure down the road. Like. Like my Achilles, for example, well, one of the main reasons why I did this procedure is what I was afraid of is tearing it when I'm like 45 years old playing in the backyard with future kids or something like that. I was like thinking about, well, what if I don't do this now? What's going to happen later? I don't want that to happen. So um, yeah, you're totally right. Whether it's, whether it's like, think about the positive or think about, oh, how, how bad could it be? Let's change that now so that we don't get to that point or so that we can get to like how great the future looks if I do this stuff now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. 
All right, before we start the process here of wrapping this up, what I want you to do, Sarah, is tell people that are listening to this, where can they go find you? We'll include this stuff in the show notes, of course, but you do in-person and online fitness coaching. So where can people find you online? How can they get a hold of you? if they want to learn more or talk to you about that stuff. Yeah, of course. So I train in-person clients at Lion's Den here in Denver, Colorado, right off Bellevue in 25. So definitely can hop in, you know, come to Lion's Den and check it out and get my card here. Otherwise, the best way would probably be on Instagram. And that is Sarah with an HTM wellness. And I have a little link in my bio um, that you can click on to apply for online coaching. Otherwise, honestly, just shoot me a DM. I'd love to chat with you and connect with you more. Awesome. Like I said, we'll include that stuff in the show notes. And then um, I also want to have you again do another little plug for your podcast, the Growth Over Fear podcast. Is that on like all the different platforms? People can find that. I'll include that in there as well. Yeah. So the Growth Over Fear podcast, you can definitely check that out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Those are the two main areas that it's at currently. So thank you so much. You are welcome. I'll include those things in the show notes. And then what I want to close this with is um, I've asked this to a couple other people on the show. We kind of started this, you know, we had this conversation along the way, but our show is called The Code, A Guide to Health and Human Performance, right? And it's all about like cracking the code on how to like live an awesome life, cracking the code on health and fitness and all these things. If you had to summarize everything that we talked about into like one or two points, like what are the things that you think will ha- help people like crack the code on health and human performance? Like your keys. I have a few things. Yeah. The first one is definitely start small and set small goals and celebrate those because that's going to lead you to the big significant results when you look back on your journey. The other thing I would say is what you do every single day is going to account for the quality of your life and the degree of your success. So it's not whether you feel like putting in the work, it's whether you do it regardless. So when you're losing motivation, do it regardless. Mm-hmm. Consistency is yes, so important. Consistency is everything. Really, really helps. Love it. I think that's uh, an awesome place to end this. So Sarah, thank you again for joining me here on this uh, episode of The Code. Thanks to all of you guys that tuned in to listen to this. And just as a reminder, we are working towards our goal here on The Code to get 200 five-star reviews. So if you have not done that yet and you made it to the end of this episode, please be so kind to go drop a review. And even, even in addition to just hitting the stars there, maybe drop a little comment on there to let us know what you liked about us or give us some ideas of different episodes that you would love to hear about, we can make that happen. So again, Sarah, thanks so much. Thank you so much, Andrew. That was fun. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you next time on The Code. Bye-bye.